Welcome to the Working Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Erskine. Come along while I interview the top handlers and clinicians around the world while hearing their stories of both failure and triumph and get their view on what it takes to have a good working dog. Hey, we're back with the Working Dog Podcast. This is Allison Erskine and I have my co-host Laura. Um, today we're here with Peter and Pam Gunnett, and Peter actually just finished winning a trial today, and so Peter, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was the uh, 50th anniversary of the Canadian Western Agribition trial, sheepdog trial, so it was quite an honor to win it for the 50th year yeah. of, of, you know, having Agribition, and I think it's my sixth time that I've won it now. Wow, that's yeah. a feat itself. Okay, well, do you want to just kind of start out telling us how you got his stock dogs? I know you guys kind of started with the um, the pasture deal and needed a few dogs. Yeah, um, well, I actually grew up with dogs, um, but they were just farm dogs. They just went and got the milk cows and did what they needed to do, and we didn't know what we are doing. But then when I was cowboying, um, I had some friends with some good dogs, and I seen them, how useful they were, and so I, that's when I really got interested in it is when I, I seen other guys using some good dogs and yeah. how they could help me with my work. Awesome. What were some of the biggest challenges learning? Like, and how many years have you been at it, I guess? Uh, it's close to 40 years now. Yeah. And I would think the biggest challenge that I've probably had over the years is just really working to understand the mind of the dog. I think if I work with anything, it's to understand that dog's mind. Um, and understand why he does what he does and how I can help him through things with because um, when the mind is right the body is right right yeah. so um, do you have a few little tidbits on how you go about building that or maybe some traits that contribute to solid-minded dog I, I think the biggest thing is having a good solid communication so that they understand when I communicate with them whether um, they're doing it correctly and so you want to make it so that it's not just it's not just a, a boss and a, and a worker relationship. It's a, a partnership where you communicate with each other and and give them little subtle nuances that you know they they understand your body language or they understand your job you're doing, and they they get to know you and that's when it's really exciting is when you get that partnership with a dog that it's um, it's something you can't even explain. Yeah. More yeah. of a team, not just, yeah. Yeah, yeah not just a boss and Absolutely. a worker. Absolutely. That's yeah. cool. It's cool to see. So when you're, like, you're building these dogs in uh, working situations a lot of the time, or how much uh, groundwork do you do before you kind of put them on the job? And uh, I guess how does that differ, like, coming from that background in the working scene um, comparing to people who maybe are geared straight towards trialing? Okay, I've always, right from when Pam and I started, I've always tried to balance a work dog with a trial dog, with a sheep dog, with a cow dog. I've always been one that the old masters back in, you know, Britain and that, that was what they tried to always achieve. Mm -hmm. And I've always, right from the very beginning, it's not been just one avenue that I wanted to follow. I wanted to have a dog that, you know, 
could work, but could trial and could go work ewes and lambs or cows and calves or baby lambs or, you know, whatever. And it was about the stock, that the stock, that's why we have these dogs is to, as stockmen, to care for stock. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted a dog that would look after stock regardless of what, what I did. And then the trialing was to show off, if you've got a good one, and you can go to town and you can show them off. Yeah, you know? yeah, truly well-rounded dog, right? Not something that you gotta run home just to grab another dog to work cows. Right. When you're working sheep all day, you want something that you're right. able to take to town on Saturday, but on Monday and Tuesday, you're able to work different, right. different types of animals. Cool, okay. Yeah, um, do you think that with the, like it seems like they're, the trial world's going pretty strong right now and there's a lot of new people coming up, which is exciting, do you, notice that um, kind of, a lack of a better term, like hobby trialists are having an impact on the breed and the, the traits that guys are breeding for it? You're smiling. You can, you, can, you can answer you, honestly. I can, like, okay. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it is a worry. Um, I mean, I think it's great. Like the level of handling has just exploded. Like, I mean, we go to a trial now and you know, years ago, there was a half a dozen men and women that you had to look out for. Mm -hmm. Boy, now you go to a trial and they all are dangerous. Yeah. So that's really exciting how the handling has improved. Um, I do worry that we we are losing a little bit of the the working, like why we have yeah. them in the first place, and because yeah. they're not it's not a game to me. Like to me, they're they're a tool to look after livestock, and um, I think in order and the reason I've always felt this way is because I think if we do this we will have better dogs. Yeah. To me, it's about getting the dogs better and the handling better. So um, you can err on both sides of that ditch. You can you know, not worry about the work end of it as much and just be strictly trialing, which can get you on one side, but you can also err on the other side where you just work and you don't finesse them dogs, you don't get that precision work and you don't get all that, that really nice stuff, mm -hmm. even for practical work. So, I've always said, you know, I don't ever want to go, I want to be a handler and a dog breeder that wants it all. Like, I don't want a, just a, a work dog that just can, can't take to town, right. but I don't want a dog that just can't go home and do a job either. Yeah. So I do think we have to be careful and both sides, not one any more guilty than the other. I think both sides have to watch that they don't, mm -hmm. you know, they always look at what's, if I'm just a practical rancher, I still want a dog that could go in a dog trial. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a top dog trialer, I still want a dog that I could go help a rancher with. Yeah. yeah. So Pam, you've been here since the beginning with Peter as well. So through those highs and lows of trialing and working stuff, what is something that you've really noticed, like a really good high or really good low? For me or for Peter? For, for just oh. maybe generally in trialing or, you know, working and stuff like that. Um, I would say Peter's Moss dog was a real outstanding he took home a lot of prizes and and he was a good breeder yeah i guess i'm more i'm really interested in the breeding the breeding aspect yeah. what interests you in that well we've always bred the type of dog we wanted yeah we didn't worry about who was winning that time or whatever and we've stuck with it we've we only breed when we want replacements and mm -hmm. stuff and yeah and i th it's it's worked for us well, you guys always had success. If you look at a lot of the papers in Canada, your name's on a ton of papers and the dogs here. So yep. that's really cool to yeah. see. 
I enjoy that. Um, so your me most memorable dog would probably be Moss then? Yes. Yeah? And so you kind of, you've went back to the same dogs. Is that one of the first dogs you got? Because in another interview you mentioned that you really still have the same lines. You didn't veer too far off. You stayed with them foundation lines. We actually imported Moss. Yeah. We bred Moss. Yeah. We, oh, okay. We imported a dog from Glenn Jones of Budfari. Yeah. And that dog was the foundation. And um, so then she produced a really excellent female, Pam's Jet, mm -hmm. who was just a tremendous female. And then through crossing with Richard Tipton's Max and um, a few of our other dogs, but Bob, who I run today and who Pam runs and who all our dogs will go back. 40 years to that original Jill. Hmm. I either, on Bob's papers, I either bred the dog, trained the dog, sold the dog, or yeah. knew the dog. Wow. And That's really wanted in him for, like, I'm always looking for an outcross, something that I can put in that I want to put in with yeah. our line. And so, and both Pam and I together, we, you know, we'll look at a dog and, and um, you know, well, that's what we need. You know, we put this in. But, yeah, all of our dogs, every one of them, will go back to that original Jill 40 years ago that, mm -hmm. that we brought over. Yeah. When you're starting your pets, what do you, what do you like to see when you first step in with them? Um, you know what? That's, uh, I've had absolutely phenomenal pups that put their little head down and just go to work. And then when I'm getting them trained, they're just okay. And then I've had some that they're just okay when I start them. I'm not, and then by the time they're two, I'm really impressed with them. So yeah. I, I don't get too, like, you know, we see everybody, oh, this pup, look at him at eight weeks old right. and at 10 weeks. You know, I've been in this long enough. I've seen, yeah, that looks good, but that is not going to be proof yeah. that he's going to be. We're, we're all about genetics and breeding. I forget who it was years ago. There's a saying, you breed the best of the best and you hope for the best because yeah. Yeah. we all know you can have two of the best dogs and they don't all turn out. Nobody no. can, and there's no perfect dog. But um, I, I guess... I don't get excited about pups. I probably get worried if they don't start working <laughs> pretty young, but I don't get excited if they're in there showing beautiful style and all that. And I don't get excited or upset if they're not looking that good because yeah. um, I've seen both. Yeah. yeah. So knowing that you've imported dogs before, um, do you think there's a benefit to keep importing dogs or do you think there's enough good dogs in North America? Yeah, there's still excellent dogs over in Great Britain, mm -hmm. excellent dogs. Um, they're getting harder to find and they're getting harder to pay More expensive. for. <laughs> yeah, their price is going Especially up. for cowboys. Yeah. But I think we have good dogs here. You think yeah. so? Yeah. yeah, we have nothing to take back seat. No. Like a lot of our British friends that we have that have come over over the years, they said, you know what, we want to take some of your dogs back. That's a there. nice compliment too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, it shows hard work in yeah. your breeding. Yeah. No, North America and Canada for, you know, as few as handlers as we have on the per capita yeah. Canada can be proud of what well, we've got some of the best handlers in the world yeah. and um, and some of the best dogs and but yeah we're always looking like I will never hopefully never um, you know say oh well, I'm not going to look over here because there's no good dogs I mean yeah. and I don't care who who owns it mm -hmm. or if it's a good one I want to have a look at it yeah sometimes they just hide a little bit yeah yeah 
Yeah, no, and um, I mean, I've seen lots of them from doing clinics. I'll do a clinic and uh, all of a sudden, yeah. hey, what's that dog bred? I like that dog. That's actually a good way yeah. to see that yeah. some dogs are oh, different yeah. lines. You see yeah. them, you yeah. see them work. Yeah. You get to manipulate them a little bit. That's yeah. neat. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Um, so I get this question a lot, uh, whether there's a, diff- there's a difference between working a bitch and a dog. Do you find there a different? There is a difference? Do you? Prefer no, one to the other? I prefer males just because yeah. I'm terrible at watching them when they're in season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we usually end up yeah. having accidents, but um, I guess I prefer the males and Pam prefers the females. But some of my, like I get that too, well, which is tougher, the male or the female? Boy, I've had some females that were tough, like mm-hmm. tough, tough. Gritty, yeah. Yeah, and um, so no, I, I, when they're good, they're good. They don't matter, male or female. Mm-hmm. But I probably get along better with males. Yeah, that's And fair. Pam gets along better with females. Yeah. yeah. Do you have an opinion on line breeding? When it's done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all, we took a course years ago in the, in the Stock Dog Club, and, and we had a geneticist speak to us. And he said it's very important to line breed, but do it properly. And what's yeah. What's well, the importance of that? It's what you, like when you line breed, you, um, accentuate the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be prepared to look at your dogs and say, well, this is false. I don't want to reproduce and these are false. But, you know, so you really got to be careful and when you, it doesn't work, you don't do it again. Yeah. And you've, you've got to be prepared to cull hard and not use those dogs mm-hmm. in your breeding. Um, you can over line breed, you can get too much. Now he actually, this geneticist told us the ideal um, breeding is a line bred male to a line bred female of two totally different lines. Is that right? Yeah, and, but not too heavily. And I, what is it now that he said it's acceptable in the Border Collie? 25%. Oh. Like Moss was a line bred dog, and that's mm-hmm. what I feel made him a good breeder. Oh. But then you want to breed him to an outcross. Right. You know, yeah. you, don't want you don't want to go back into that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, when it's not done right, you can have horrible wrecks. Yeah. I think it just comes down to being honest about the weaknesses and strengths yes. of your dog. Definitely. That's it. Definitely. Right? Yeah. yeah. And if you don't know them, yeah. get someone else to look yeah. and see if they can pull some out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in theory, it should just make for more dominant traits from that side. Correct. Yeah. Like, if you heavily line breed too much, one of the things that goes first is their endurance. Oh. So, if you're a rancher that's working up your cattle for six, eight hours, yeah. that's the last thing you want. You need a dog mm-hmm. with endurance. Mm-hmm. Do you see that getting weaker in some of the lines out there because guys aren't using their dogs as hard as they have in the past? Yeah, it is. It's, you know, and again, we go back to, you know, the trialing and, and the working and all that. If these dogs aren't tested and asked to perform these duties of, of an all-day rancher, yeah. you know, if we don't sort them dogs out, I think we will end up one day that we'll, we'll, we'll lose endurance and stamina. And I mean, I'm all for genetic testing for all these things that we need to be genetically testing for. But first and foremost, we've got to have a dog that can work and mm-hmm. do a day's work, not a, not a 15 minute dog. He's yeah. got to be able to take... A lot of pressure yeah. in different situations yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And do the genetic testing as well, but, mm-hmm. but we can't forget about, you know, why we have them and they're they're there to work for ranchers um and that's so important like 
So when um, when breeding dogs, I know the horse world is kind of similar. Some people think mare power is not important. Some people think stud power is important. What do you guys think? You know, is the female 60% and the males 40? Or like, do you guys say 50-50 and that's it? Or do you draw more importance to one side? I don't know if we draw, but we're really big on, I mean, they both got to be superstars, like, or we'll breed them. Like, they both, I, I wouldn't ever breed a mediocre male to a really great female. Yeah, there's better um, males out there. And if yeah. our female has a fault, we definitely don't breed her to a male with that same fault. Yeah, you don't yeah. Yeah, you cross know, the faults Lana. for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm. we're big on good females. Like that, some, you know, in this whole breeding game, it's always, you hear about the stud dog. He's the one that gets famous. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's this dog or that dog. Yeah. And we don't hear about the females. Yeah. And you wouldn't have made that good stud oh, dog if you didn't two, have that right? good female. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. So did you have a mentor like that kind of you followed like when you kind of tried coming up through this or did you just mostly do it trial and error or what did you kind of follow? No, I, I would have to say my mentor over the years has been Jack Knox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's done. I mean, I've known him for, I don't know, ever, it seems. Mm-hmm. And um, he's the type of guy that I could phone up and say, Jack, I've got a problem with this or mm-hmm. I've got a problem with that. And he could just tell me. So, and I, I mean, a lot of other guys helped me too, don't, um, but I would say probably Jack would be who really got me to really understand and get in the mind of a dog. A lot of the, you know, Jack is kind of the Tom Dorrance of the dog world. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And Just a lot, philosophy of it yeah. is important. Yeah. Well, and well, he's seen so much. Absolutely. Yeah, he's seen yeah. the great yeah. ones, Whist yeah. and Cap. They're really and, great ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seems like nowadays everyone has a good dog, but are they really that yeah. good? Yeah. Jack Knox good or just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've learned from lots of good handlers. Like, there's so many good handlers now that, you know, and I'm still learning. You know, I'm still, I hope I never quit learning. Have uh, the training methods evolved quite a bit since you started? Um, no, I probably just got better at yeah. implementing them. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> but fair. I mean, I, I think those we still need to give the the old timers the credit because yeah. they got us on the right path. They mm-hmm. got us those good dogs that all our dogs come from. Yeah, they and, the trail. A yeah, bit. and um, they were good dog men, and um, you know, I, I think. As we get to be better handlers, we're just understanding things better. Yeah. But, you know, maybe if anything, you know, we might have um, maybe got more understanding of the dogs than a lot of the old ways might have been. Mm-hmm. But no, I'd still like. I mean, them old masters were were master then, and they'd be masters today too. Yeah. 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 So going back to Jack quick, if you could call him right now and ask him a question about a dog or, you know, what to do here, what would you ask him? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where do I get my next good one? Yeah, that's a million-dollar question right there. Yeah, Yeah. we're always on search. I would, yeah, because, well, I just talked to him just before we come down here. I had a two-hour conversation with him, and... Oh, we, we talk about this dog or that dog or where, what did you see or what did you, mm-hmm. and um, we're, yeah, we're always, have you seen any good ones yet, you know? Oh, okay, that's yeah. kind of your line, yeah. 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 We're always looking. Always looking. Yeah, yeah. 
What would uh, be one of your proudest moments as a handler, either at home or in the arena or field or whichever? Probably when I won the Canadian Sheepdog Championships. Yeah, yeah I mean, because we were running against some tough competitors, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mention names because I don't want to leave anybody out and hurt feelings, but I mean, they're all there, mm -hmm. all the good ones. Yeah. And, um, and that, that was good. That made, because that, that's hard to win. And then I've also won the, the Canadian cattle dog too. So, yeah. so I would say those two honors are probably, but. Um, yeah. Well, you had an extremely successful week. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, we got the, you yeah. gambled right, Allison. Yeah, you, you yeah, know, I did. I did to interview him after exhibition, so. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It wasn't a very hard gamble. I wanted to do it anyways, <laughs> but. Yeah. You've been doing a little bit of judging um, lately. From the judge's eyes, what is one of the first things you see that is a turnoff when a dog comes onto the trial field? I would probably say my biggest, what, when I'm judging a dog, what, what, when a dog can't do the work. Mm -hmm. Like if he's out there flipping about mm -hmm. and he's not moving the stock properly, like not chasing, but not grazing the sheep or the cows either. Like I think, you know, cause we can all have nice flanks and and all that pretty stuff that we all want, and I want it too. But I mean, when I'm judging a dog, he's got to be able to move the stock properly, like with with good, quiet, firm power, without yeah. biting, without harassing, without scaring them. Just put your head down and, and move the stock, sheep or cattle. So I would say as a judge, um, I, I just get so excited when I see a dog out there just move stock beautifully. And, uh, and then the usually when they're doing that, the rest is there too. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, I would look for that as a judge, yeah. Because that's what it's about, yeah. is moving the stock the most efficiently way we can. Yeah. yeah, you can really break it apart, but do you think people kind of complicate things a little bit sometimes, you know, really make it hard for themselves? Oh yeah, like we can make this too tactical and get all, you know, it's, 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 um, I think it gets confusing for the dog too when you start throwing too many commands at them and making all this. I mean, it's it's basic, you know, good clean flanks, good solid straightforward walk up, good stop, all that's basics. Like, um, and then you know if you start getting, you know, a whole bunch of different things that, then it gets confusing for the dog. And and I, I've always been one keep it, keep it so a dog can understand it and it makes sense to him. That it doesn't, he doesn't get all confused, because yeah. a lot of times they're working at such a distance, and um, you know if the wind is bad and that, I mean, your commands have got to be commands that they can understand and hear properly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you, uh, either one of you guys, do you have a story where a dog's really gotten you out of a bind? Whether you know, probably in a working situation, oh, I'm sure there's ten, like yeah. ton of them, but yeah. is there one that sticks out a little more than the rest? I would say one that really sticks out. I had a dog called Taff that was a son of Moss and off of Pam's Meg, who was off of Kathy Knox's um, Rob that went back to Johnny Wilson's Rob and Spot, all international champions, but it was Pam's Meg and Moss produced Taff. And one time I had somebody there for um, lessons and we're working fresh yearlings and this little dog got out of control and these cattle were pretty fresh. We hadn't got them dog broke yet. Well, the cow run over the dog 
threw its tail up and run through three fences and was headed out across the country and over the, like it's sand hills where we are and there's poplar trees and hills and this cow has got her tail over back and she is leaving the country and um, so I sent Taff and I never said a word to him and it was like it was about I would say a quarter of a mile away and I could see him work that cow just like a cutting horse it was just back and forth back and forth back and forth and he never once gave ground and he just kept stopping that cow stopping that cow and then finally it was a standstill and I bet you it took a minute that he had to just work that cow back and forth finally the cow stopped and Taft stopped and he just walked forward and he walked that cow back up in the corral like she was just so cool. and I never said a word to him you know never what never bit the cow that shows the heart and the passion behind yeah. the dogs too eh? but he had to read that cow yeah. like if he had come in and bit or did anything he had to just keep stopping her stopping her till he could get control of her and she was bad like she was leaving the country and um, I just crossed my fingers and I sent him <laughs> and um, it was it was truly an amazing sight I'll never forget that yeah Pam, do you have a story like that where a dog's oh. gotten you out of some trouble? Uh, not trouble. I, I did, for when Peter was working the PF, I did all the lambing, and just what my dogs did at lambing time was just always amazing. Yeah. I, Saved yeah. you probably a lot of steps, a lot oh, of hassle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, if there's one thing you could have learned earlier on in your dog career, what would it be? If you could have said, I, I would have knew that 20 years ago. <laughs> um, I think you didn't get into the dogs' minds like right. you do now. Yeah, I would you say you a lot time. quicker. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think makes that different? Just because you've made the time and you've put the time in to get to know the dogs that much, or did you do something specifically different? I think I've just finally learned how to understand. Yeah. 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 And like Pam said, if I could have got that earlier, I could have saved myself some, probably some dogs that I didn't train very good. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I would, yeah, definitely would be if I could have just got in the mind of that dog earlier than I did have. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Do you, uh, if you had one piece of advice to give to some new handlers out there, um, maybe a two-part question. One's looking to trial and compete because competition's different than just learning how to run a dog. Um, but what advice would you give them? Um, hmm. I would say don't, give up and get down on yourself when you have a bad run. You know, we all have been there. We've all done things that we don't feel good about and we're upset with our dog and just don't give up. Like, you know, you're gonna, if you keep at this and keep working, your day will come, you know. So when you have a bad run, you know, just, it's part of the growing pains. As well, you know, when you have a great run, don't think everyone's gonna be like that either because, yeah. you know, you can, you can be on top of the world and at the next trial, you're at the bottom. So I would think, you know, if I could stress to any new handlers, like just because you've had a bad run and you maybe you don't have the dog that you actually want, but it's a dog that you have at that time yeah. and just make the best that he can be. Like yeah. you don't, you know, we all can't, you know, have that great one all at the time. So you just make the dog you got be the best that he can be and, um, Except when things, you know, and your turn will come. Your yeah. day will come when you can do good. Yeah. What about with uh, handlers starting out with dogs? What's some common mistakes or advice you would give them? 
try and find the dog that suits you. Like, don't try and run a dog that suits this person or that person. And find the dog that suits you, that you want to work with, that has the personality that you want to work with. Don't try and work a dog because some top handler has that type of dog. That might not be the type of dog that suits you. You know, try and, and get help from somebody like, okay, I like this type of dog. So try and go out and find the type of dog that you like. So right after this, you're headed to Vermilion and you're going to do a stock dog clinic with the, um, the college there. Yes. So knowing that college myself, there's usually a bunch of different breeds of dogs and, you know, some handlers that are fairly green and some that are better and stuff like that. What is usually your goal going in there saying, you know, I want everyone just to have a, you know, a decent foundation or just have encouragement to just keep doing it? Or what do you, what do you kind of try to get in and, and get done when you're there? I hope when I go and I um, have come out of there, I hope I've helped everybody a little bit with their dog get better, regardless of the breed. Yeah. You know, I hope that whatever we do and wherever they're at, they can see some improvement mm -hmm. with their handling or with the dog that they're working is. That's the that's the joy of doing clinics. I get a lot of great enjoyment of after the second or third day and somebody's got something working for them that they were struggling with. I just really enjoy that. So mm -hmm. I think that's my biggest worry that I don't, somebody goes away from there and, and they didn't get what they needed out of it. Yeah. They, so I, I really want to try and help each individual person and dog get better. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any litters on the ground right now or upcoming litters you're planning? We just had a female, um, just they're, they're weaned now. They're about but 10 weeks 10 old. 10 weeks old. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have we had one female bred, but she didn't catch, so we have nothing now planned for probably we might try one of them again in the spring. Mm -hmm. um, trouble is we're using them all the time, so yeah, you know it, it's actually better if we could get them bred in the fall, but yeah. we'll see because the male that we're thinking of using is getting old, so we might have to. Um, but yeah, we're we only like I think Pam mentioned we only breed when we need a replacement for ourselves. Yeah. We're not out there trying to. Make money make and money a quick buck. No, no, it's... I don't think it's the way to make a quick buck anyways. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, it's... it's um, to me, it's about, you know, the dogs and, yep. and um, try to always... Every time, hopefully, we try to get something that is hopefully maybe... Hopefully getting better. Yeah, for sure. So if someone wanted to reach out to you about, you know, lessons or a clinic or buying a dog off, you were just you know, trying to shoot some stuff off you, where could they contact you? You guys have a website or, you know, or, or if not, you know, do you, let's say contact me on Facebook or what? Do you know how old I am? Do you think I can run a, a website and a Facebook? You're not that old. He's the director of the Canadian um, Cowdog Association, so he'd be on there. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we don't have a website. Yeah. Because... I, Pam said, if you have a website, you got to look after it. Yeah, well, you seem to be doing fun without it. So it's just another thing, yeah, another baby yeah. to take care of. Yeah, so no, we, but yeah, anybody's welcome to phone me at any time. Yeah. Sure, appreciate that. Well, thank you guys for sitting down with us. We yeah. appreciate it. And thank you for doing this. Yeah, it'll be good to get it out there. All right, we will talk to you guys later. Hey.